0: God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves In a world
1: just like our own, because it is, but in a time beyond the future, in the future's future, where technology has surpassed all bounds, humanity struggles to maintain its identity in the face of artificial intelligence, which is like a normal face, but a bit creepy. Imagine those Hollywood stars who have gone too far and look like facial meat slabs, marginally more convincingly human than that, but still a little off, you know. The once boundless skies now host massive anti-grav cities, towers piercing the stratosphere, reaching towards the vastness of space. Here, the half-human technocrat lords live, if it can be called living, powered by advanced battery sources and protected by sophisticated security systems. The line between man and machine has blurred. Vat-grown enhancement and cybernetic implants have become the norm. In this high-tech dystopia, a small group of rebels rises against the oppressive government, determined to reclaim their freedom and restore the natural order of things. Little do they know, their journey will take them on a thrilling adventure, revealing the true potential of humanity and the shocking truth behind their own existence, the truth that is The Gargle. Welcome to The Gargle. This is the Sonic Glossy Magazine to the Bugles Audio Newspaper for Visual World. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition of the magazine are Eleanor Morton and John Luke Roberts. Welcome.
2: Hello.
0: Hello. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't thanking you, Eleanor. I was thanking the host, actually. I, I, I have no.
1: <laughs> we can all thank each other. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. All
0: right. Thank you, Alice.
1: We exist in mutual yeah. interdependence as part of a community, a small community within a wider community. Podcasters are a subset of comedians. Although, really, the the, the Venn diagram overlap between podcasters Blast. and comedians is, is a circle. It's a circle. Before we turn on our recording devices and podcast into the future of our top stories this week, let's have a look at the front cover. The front cover this week is Leonardo DiCaprio's new, and I do mean new, 19-year-old girlfriend. It is a funny thing uh, to see the outrage online, because of course it doesn't affect him. He's old enough that he doesn't know how the internet works, and he's also old enough that when he was young,
0: it was still considered (laughs) okay
1: for a man in his 50s to date a 19-year-old. For context, uh, in case you weren't horrified, that means she was 12 when Trump was elected, At her high school prom was probably on Zoom because of COVID. She is over the age of consent. Let's be clear, she is over the age of consent, though. If you use the phrase not technically illegal too much, you turn into Woody Allen. To be fair, he is just irresistibly attracted to old souls, uh, specifically old souls encased (laughs) in hot bodies controlled by the brains of teenage girls. Our satirical cartoon this week is Lloyds of London, the boss of Lloyds of London, warning that the UK's financial reputation has been dented by the last couple of years of bad financialness, pointing out that its reputation was built on transactional fairness laws that privilege business deal-making and centuries of just nicking stuff from other countries to fuel the relentless expansion of a bloated aspirational middle class. And friend's own news now. Uh, this is the news that a Singapore man has sued a woman um, for uh, just wanting to be friends. Eleanor Morton, you just want to be friends with me. Can you unpack this story? Sure, yeah. So this, um, this man, as far as I can tell, this man in Singapore uh,
2: was very upset that a woman, a friend of his, uh, didn't want to go any, any further with the friendship than the than, than friendship. Uh, and how dare she? Because as we know, women's intrinsic value is only sexual. And being friends with a woman is uh, rubbish, as I'm sure John Luke can attest. So he uh, he's taken her to court for, I think it's emotional damages. That's that's uh, something like that. And he wants to sue her for uh, about 1.87 million English pounds. Or um, the Singapore equivalent. You know what? I love the confidence. I love the confidence, <laughs> and um, apparently he's got emotional trauma. And you know, if this, if he, if he wins this, this means we can all just start, you know, taking people to court for whatever we like, um, which I'm not opposed to.
1: Well, I don't think he will win. The he's previous, he's been dismissed previously, as suggesting that this, um, the 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 claim is has an ulterior motive of vexing or oppressing uh, the defendant. No, I don't think so. No, no, okay. I just. Apparently, they, they, they have been friends since 2016. In 2020, they became misaligned about how they saw their relationship. While the, de- the defendant uh, only regarded this guy as a friend, he considered her his closest friend, uh, which is dangerous territory, if any of you have a closest friend, because that's, you know, all relationships are linear along a graph heading towards <laughs> yeah. Bone Town. And it's just a matter of how fast you're moving with the barista <laughs> down the corner or the guy who you just caught, catch the bus with. It's exhausting. I mean, my closest friend is, is John Roberts, and I assume that
2: eventually we will marry. And uh, if he doesn't want to do that, I will sue him. So
0: <laughs> yeah, the difficulty is, uh, of course, we share a therapist. <laughs> and I think if we if we get married, we probably have to get different. No, well, it's couples, so... couples therapists. No, I'm going to divert the, the rail we're on to Boatown to a different track. I'm going to make, make my own trolley problem.
2: That has caused me emotional trauma by uh, by implying that um, not everyone would want to be my closest friend.
1: I mean, all friend zone problems are the trolley problem, right? It, it's The train is going in yeah. one direction and you've got to decide whether you touch the lever or not.
0: How, yeah, how many people's hey. lives do you ruin? <laughs>
1: hey. Nice. For anyone who, who's um, uh, euphemistically uh, disabled, in that instance, the lever was a stand-in for the penis. Oh, I got it now.
0: Wait, but isn't it a third party <laughs> who's throwing the lever?
1: You are the third party.
0: Oh, okay. you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you can either sue your friend or keep
1: creeping them out. Is that options? <laughs> Is that the options?
0: You can do both.
1: The judgment said that she'd spent years, quote, massaging the claimant's unhappiness, uh, end quote, but is now standing up to his threats.
0: And, of course, unhappiness is what penis is short
1: for.
2: (laughs) Uh, Sounds good to have a punner.
0: He also, he's suing her because he says that this has damaged his stellar reputation. <laughs> and That's the stellar reputation. This is Kay Corshigan, is the, the name of the guy here, who I had no idea about before he launched this particular <laughs> legal action. Thus, um, ensuring his reputation is much wider than it was previously, and much, much worse.
1: Yeah, one might argue that this is, uh, this is a very public example of what he does privately in his bedroom, which is called a cell phone.
0: Hey... I've been working through recently with our shared therapist, like working through the shame I have at being a man. So I'd like um, to thank the gargle for introducing me to this story and really testing the progress that I've made. But doesn't it make
2: you feel good that you you've never tried to sue a woman for for that this? Isn't that doesn't
0: that Oh Eleanor, it's only a matter of time, isn't it?
2: I mean
1: you, you can't look let...
0: I'll wake up one morning, there'll be the papers there and go, Oh God, what did I do last night? <laughs> Sued a woman. Ah uh, no. Typical man.
1: Your ads now because you can't be what you can't buy. Hi, do you like snakes? Do you want 500 snakes? I just wanted one snake, but I accidentally ordered 500 snakes, and now I can't leave my bathroom. They said they'd take them back, but they don't do refunds, only store credit, and all they sell is more snakes. So now you can buy snakes from me at takemysnakes.com. Please buy 500 snakes. I'm begging you. What if I told you there was one product that could help you see at night and navigate the ocean? What if I told you it also controlled the tides? What if I told you it could even transform werewolves? Sounds too good to be true. That's because you're an idiot. Introducing the Mega Hat. It's a torch, a compass, a tide machine, a werewolf transformation ray, and a hat. The Mega Hat. Impress your friends, then turn them into a wolf. (laughs) (laughs) She's a Nobel-winning scientist, a mother, and the only one who can save the planet. So why won't anyone hear what she has to say? Because she's also a mime. Please make it stop, the heartwarming story of how one species let the world end, rather than having to watch a mime. First there was Coke. Then there was Pepsi. First there was the stick. Then there were machine guns. First there was democracy. Now there's whatever we have now. Progress isn't always improvement. In that spirit, we'd like to introduce half a glass... Of water. It sounds like half a glass of water, but it's actually half of a glass completely full of water. Half a glass of water. Legally different from half a glass of water.
0: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work.
1: Groundhog dead news now and this is the news that Quebec's weather groundhog was found dead on Groundhog Day unlike Bill Murray. John Luke Roberts you have recurring days can you unpack this story?
0: Yes so in Quebec there's this old tradition I don't know if you know about it where in America and North America they pick a groundhog up and if it sees its own shadow that means that there's six more weeks of winter. It's a kind of Jungian tradition.
2: And how dare <laughs> they call us whimsical when they're doing shit like that? Yeah. How dare they?
0: Yeah, I know. And if it doesn't see it, it's early spring. so well, And it gets more whimsical, Eleanor, because Quebec's... Um, this this groundhog is called Fred La Marmot, um, which translates as um, F- Fred the Marmot. And uh, he, they, they went in... To get him to bring him out, and he was discovered dead. I would like to stress they didn't pick up the corpse and hold it aloft in front of the crowd, which would have been worse. <laughs> oh, it happened in the part of Quebec, was uh, in Val d'Espoir, which is near Gaspe, which is, of course, what the crowd a did a <laughs> when they heard a, the news. A. Yes. So, having found the dead groundhog, they couldn't then get the groundhog to see his shadow or not. Although I think that counts as the groundhog not seeing his shadow. No, right.
1: no, no, no. Or I guess
0: it, you could be seeing its shadow too closely.
1: Yes, so, I mean, this is what they have to do. They have to see if they're They have to track this back. They have to get, like, a, a good detective on the case, like the one in Knives Out, uh-huh. uh, Daniel Craig. They have to get Daniel Craig on the case uh, to track if there are six more weeks of winter, in which case you will know what killed the groundhog, which was the terror of seeing its own shadow.
0: Oh, uh, I see. Well, because they did get a child who had a hat on a groundhog hat on, they got uh, the child to come up and predict whether it would be six more weeks of winter or early spring, (laughs) which seems to me to be sort of, I know, and sort of damning that child. Like, look what happened to the last (laughs) one to do this. (laughs) You're next.
1: Trail of children and and, uh, rodents. Sorry, just to clarify, was the hat the child wearing the dead groundhog?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe he was gifted the dead groundhog at the end. I don't know.
2: I'm really enjoying the article, the, um, which I think is the Montreal blog, because the headline is, Quebec's where the groundhog was found dead on Groundhog Day. He could never have predicted this. <laughs> this is going to sound harsh. I don't actually think he can predict anything, <laughs> um, dead or alive. Well, I know. I know it's controversial. But
1: also, I like the idea that, that the groundhogs can predict almost anything. But you only ever use them to predict whether they're going to be six more weeks of winter.
2: It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous to get in to do other stuff. You don't want them to put at the lottery like that octopus that did it.
1: The only thing that seers can't see is their own death.
2: Oh, yeah. Is that true? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's true in
1: the fiction books that I've read about seers.
2: Is that a true myth that's true? It's a a a real
1: lie that some people have told, that enough people have told that it's become a sort of a canonical thing in the, you know, vague ether of shared conceptual frameworks that people tap into when they write their uninspired fantasy novels. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is
1: it a bit like um, the
2: ravens in the, ta- in the tower?
1: In what way could it be like the crows and the, well, the ravens in the... Well, when
2: the ravens in the tower leave, that's that's meant to be bad. And one of them did oh. die the other year. And there's only eight of them.
0: So when the groundhog dies, the weather stops? There will be no more. Weather. Oh God,
1: this is what every climate change scientist has been praying for. We can't solve this through technology, but we can solve this through strategic <laughs> groundhog murder. We
2: need to stop um, putting so much faith in animals to predict the way it's going to go for us as a species. Uh, I don't think they know.
0: Is it cows who like they lie down when it's going to rain or oh, stand up not when it's true. not?
2: Isn't it? It's not true. Isn't no. it? I mean, they oh. do stand up and sit down.
0: <laughs> well, I'm half right, then.
2: <laughs> but It doesn't say anything apart from that cow is tired or that cow is... Have you
0: monitored them? Have you no. monitored them no. or have no. just decided, No, and you well, not
2: prove anything, so no. <laughs> no, but I have a very cynical uh, conservationist father who likes to tell me about how all of these things are nonsense, so crush all my dreams of whimsical animal predictions. What do you
0: think about the Great Reset theory? What's the Great Reset? <laughs> <Science theory. laughs> the great reset? It's, um, it's the Great it's really Reset? The Great Reset happens Google when it, a Jew guys. sees his own Google shadow. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's the big conspiracy. It's the new one. It's the New World Order thing. It's the one that's going now. It's the, the you know. I
1: can't keep up. It was space lasers. Now it's there's so much anti-Semitism at the moment and, you know, I've got, you know, Holocaust survivors in my background so I may be slightly paranoid but I did just watch a cake baking show in which the first episode uh, was like quite an unpleasant Jewish mother planning a cake for her incredibly um, greedy son his, for his bar mitzvah and then the second episode was like a gorgeous uh, Palestinian couple who were like having their baby announcement after a long time trying to get pregnant and I thought this is anti-Semitic.
0: <laughs> well, hang on, but which bit? The filming of, the planning of, or the existence the of The casting,
1: people? the casting, I think. <laughs> the existence of these people, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just meet someone and you're you, sir, are anti-Semitic. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I'm oh. laughing, it's
2: all very sad.
0: It's very difficult to also to engage in this... Um, Basically, we should just let you, Alice, make all these jokes, and we should sit making no <laughs> negative or positive. Yeah, just sort of laughing in
2: a way that suggests we support you, uh, but we're yes. not laughing with
1: you unless that's what you want. Uh, in which case, yes. Yeah, we're not laughing with you if it confirms your own uh, <laughs> damaging ideas. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 This is self-loathing. Then. Oh, hang on. Do
1: we know the religion of the groundhog? Do we know the religion of the groundhog? Whether it was pandering <laughs> to the mainstream,
2: I don't know. Is it, Part of a wider conspiracy if it was, you know, why did they want the groundhog dead, yeah?
0: Maybe the origin of a groundhog would be born again and 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 no, I've got the letters.
1: And now it's time for your reviews, your reviews section now. As you know, each week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Eleanor Morton, what have you brought in for us to review? I'm going to review The Price of Milk. It's too high, it's too damn high. Do you know the price of milk? I ask you like you're a politician. Oh, I'm gonna be
2: found out as someone who doesn't drink milk. Uh Yes, and it is atrocious. A pint is now a pound for a pint for a wee for a wee one in the Scotmid across from me. uh I should clarify, but that is that is a two hundred percent rise from last time I checked milk, which is maybe about ten years ago. So
1: that's really bad. It's pretty bad that it, yeah. that is pretty bad i um I was speaking to someone the other day who was Swiss and had been asked uh, to, uh at his uh, English girlfriend's Christmas to go out and buy ten pounds of cheese um and and bought ten pounds weight of cheese. oh my uh, God, which was too much 10 cheese pounds, <laughs> ten pounds of cheese is one block of cheese at the moment, yes, but <laughs> ten. Ten, ten. ten weights of cheese is a lot of cheese. A lot of cheese. I
2: don't know. You can get through a lot of cheese if you really want to.
1: I'm going to tell you a story now. and yeah. I, It's about it, it's about the really want to part of that sentence, which is uh, we went, as teenagers we went on a holiday to Italy and then we were flying back uh, and my dad's friend Renzo gave us a very large block of Parmigiano-Reggiano cheese, Um, sort of one of those could have he you know he had a deli person in his family and had access to wholesale quantities of parmigiano reggiano and as we began the descent into sydney dad realized that he had not put it into our checked baggage uh, and also um, it would not pass through the australian biosecurity they said any any dairy you have to dump or or declare and my dad i don't think he understood the declare part of that and he decided that what we needed to do was eat (laughs) No, uh, this very large block of Parmigiano Reggiano, which um, let me tell you, after after twenty four hours in the air, massively dehydrated, the last thing you want to be eating in chunks is the driest cheese ever invented. It's not a
2: chunk cheese.
1: <laughs> it's not a chunk cheese. It's I know not a this cheese with chunk consumption. It's a great. It's a grating cheese. Genuinely, the memory is so burned into my memory that. My tongue shrivels when I tell the, t- the story. I can remember the feeling of just rasping dry sandpaper cheese. <laughs> how, how many stars? One. One star. John Luke, what have you brought in for us?
0: Right. Uh, well, on Sunday, I left my house to go to my circuit training session, which I do because I'm very healthy and, and do things like that for my health. And I, I grabbed my keys and I grabbed uh, my wallet and I left my phone in the flat and I left and I went to this place and then I did the thing and then I, an hour later, came out and I went and I bought a cup of coffee and then I returned to my front door and I took the keys out of my pocket and in my hand the keys transformed not into my keys but into another set of keys that I was looking after for somebody else. Um, and in the sort of the next 20, 30 seconds of comprehension that that i had not taken my keys out of my flat but i pulled the door closed behind me and um, it dawned on me that i was locked out so i was locked out of my flat um, so i'm going to review the process of being locked out of one's flat um, and actually it might might surprise you how this one goes i um my neighbor very kindly let me phone the locksmith from his phone um, and in the next hour of waiting for the locksmith i didn't have my phone i was outside walking through the park i felt so mindful so in the moment, um, and I wasn't able to look at my phone for anything. So really, the act of being locked out uh, gave me a great sense of presence and well-being. Um, and then the locksmith was an hour and a half late, and I had to try and keep that sort of nice. It didn't work. I got more and more anxious. He finally turned up, and in one minute, he, he just drilled through the door and then got a little coat hanger-type thing and, and, and pulled it pulled it open and let me in. Um, he, so in the end, uh, I, there's things I gained. From being locked out of my house, the first one being the experience of having been locked out of my house, and the things that I lost um, from being locked out of my house, uh, which was largely the act of being locked out of my house. So I will give being locked out of your house three stars out of five.
1: I've learned so much, which is that if I if I ever forget my keys, what I need to remember is a drill.
0: Yeah, I think you need some sort of well, I would say training, but really it did just seem to stick it in and sort of poke it around until it opened. So I, I think you could probably do it by chance.
1: Less Clumpy Universe news now and this is the news uh, that the universe might be less clumpy than we thought it was and that the fact that it's less clumpy would indicate the existence of mysterious forces god question mark probably not exclamation mark John Luke can you unpack this story for us
0: Well yes and no I can reiterate that yes the universe has been found to be less clumpy than expected and that's been done by scientists working uh, for the dark energy survey which sounds villainous let's be (laughs) honest here and the south pole (laughs) telescope don't know why they need the telescope for the south pole it's really big you could see it with your naked eye Um, (laughs) but what i don't understand this seems to me to be kind of the problem because this news if they say it's like surprising it came as no surprise to me because i had no preconceptions about the clumpiness or otherwise of the universe and it does seem to point to a gulf, really, between the sophistication and complexity of scientific understanding and what the lay people can understand, which has resulted in a new story telling us, so the universe is kind of, um, so it's a bit, uh, I guess the way we put it is less, um, less clumpy. It's less clumpy, yeah. They might as well have been saying, like, oh, the universe is not nearly as grouchy as we thought. Or, like, it's a bit more, bit more slatted, you know, goofier, goofier than we were expecting. So this is the news um, that, that, yes, the universe is less clumpy. That's the word they settled on for what they think that we common people can understand. Um, but my favourite thing is there's three explanations for why the universe has turned out to be less clumpy. One of which is the scientific model is completely wrong. Uh, a second one is a bit of the scientific model is a bit wrong, and the third one is um, there's a problem with the equipment. And I like <laughs> number three.
1: <laughs> well, look, I, I think you're missing the very important fourth one. The universe is wrong, ah. and we yeah. are correct.
0: I'm going to sue the universe because I thought <laughs> we were going to have a really special, closest relationship, and the universe has really, like, the universe has is, is really treated me badly. And I'm going to sue the universe for trauma.
1: I like the way they frame it as a a crack could be opening up between theoretical predictions and what's actually going on in the universe, which implies sort of more danger uh, inherent in our wrongness about the universe. But actually, there are no implications to the theoretical wrongness about the universe. We can just be wrong for as long as we want. We could be so wrong from the beginning to the end, all of our predictions could be based on falsehoods and the implications of that for the universe are nothing. There's no point at which the universe goes... I feel seen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe that is it. But Right, I'm going to bring in some, like... Uh, I, I don't know if you know I'm a trained clown. And in the clown world, um, I think I might be able to explain this. They say that... So your clown, your inner clown, is what the, it's the thing people find funny about you and maybe laugh about you behind your back. And that's where you're funniest. It's the thing about you which is funniest. And, and once you find that and you do that on stage and then people laugh at you doing that. But there's a particular kind of clown thing that once you know what your clown is, it's no longer funny. You have to change it. So maybe... As we are the universe's way of considering itself, the closer we get to understanding the universe, the universe then changes its rules because it can't, it doesn't want to, (laughs) it no longer works once we understand what it is. That's what, that's my clown theory of, uh, that's my universal clown theory.
2: Clown string theory. Yeah.
0: Clown Silly String C- theory. 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 theory, Silly String yeah. yeah. High five. <laughs> shop that, High
1: five. A of flower high squirt at you if you Dutch man. Yeah. I think yeah. if I was the universe, I'd be pretty
2: annoyed to be described as clumpy. But as we also pointed out, there is no difference that that makes to us as, as uh, us all the universe. Ele- Ele- um, Ele- is and Is it-
0: yeah. what you mean that you, Eleanor Morton, would be pretty annoyed yeah. to be described as clumpy?
2: Yeah, if I was the universe, and just say I'm not. Just if you were, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. So (laughs) you wouldn't be annoyed if somebody described you as clumpy.
2: And also, as Eleanor Morton, I would also be upset to be described as clumpy.
1: In many ways, Eleanor. Yeah, you are the universe. Oh, thank Uh, you. Wait, you call me clumpy? (laughs) (laughs) Now it's time for our tech news. This is more of an opinion section. This is unpacking the news that the tech industry as a whole. Uh, is just going on an absolute firing spree, bl- blaming workers for wanting too much money or too many rights. Eleanor Morton, you've used a computer. Can you unpack this story a little for us?
2: Uh, what I can gather from it as a non tech person is that uh Elon Musk's twitter rampage firing rampage has sort of um uh propped up this view that everyone in in tech is is actually really selfish and lazy and should all be fired. Mm and we could all run things much better without all these extra people doing their jobs. And um, as we've seen from the new Twitter, that is absolutely true. Uh, it has been a smooth, smooth ride. So I guess it's this this fear that we've all, we're all going to be replaced by machines, which is coming true, but then also that's not because they're better than us, it's because people hiring people are worse at being bosses.
1: Well, basically, there was a... M- massive surge in the tech industry during the pandemic when everyone was locked inside and could only engage through technology and so they did a massive hiring spree and then the pandemic ended and it turns out that people wanted to see the sunlight once more uh, so they d- didn't need as many employees. You can you can have a surge in hiring and then firing or let people go or whatever downsize if you have to. Just don't blame the workers for wanting money.
2: It's all part of this quite quitting thing isn't it which is a terrible phrase where people are now saying they're only going to do their actual job instead of all the extras that they are, you know, meant to do for for, for free. Which is not quitting. That's just doing a job. But because our society is so weirdly capitalist, um, just doing your job is considered not doing enough, and bosses are very upset about paying people to do their jobs. Is what I've <laughs> gathered from that. Um, I don't know. It's not a world I move in, so <laughs> I don't understand any of it. The world
1: of jobs. Uh,
2: the world of jobs. not
0: <laughs> Humans seem to be the problem, <laughs> is the view. Like, having a human workforce is the issue. The AI stuff seems to be doing the same kind of thing. It's taking creativity and going, Wait, we, we could just do this through a program rather than have humans be... So you're taking away, like, the, the ability to work or the jobs that are all there, and then you take away the things you would do in your spare time if you do work, and you give them to the robots as well. So we it's heading towards a sort of layer of executives, and then everyone else doing absolutely nothing either for themselves or for the capitalist structure, and just sort of sitting there watching all these other things, and then sharing all these other things. Doing that, I'm try, It's I don't understand this story.
2: No,
1: we don't. We're we're artists. We um we can't comprehend. We're
0: artists. We don't know what tech is. Well,
1: it's a bunch of it's a bunch of uh, very wealthy people deciding that workers are entitled, feeling that the workers are, yes. have an entitled attitude towards compensation yes. uh, when right. they generally, as a class, are the people who've been spending just ridiculous amounts of money on this weird startup, gambling thing where they all just over hype products that don't have any real function in the hope that one of them will become Facebook and then just flush it down the toilet and move on to the next one. And then they invented cryptocurrency.
0: <laughs> it's fun that all these people, like Zuckerberg and like Musk, who have sort of made this claim to be incredibly sort of intelligent and forward-seeing, be able to pull these things off, have been revealed by their next things that they do to have completely relied on chance, to have been lucky enough to have the money in the first place to invest in these things and to get the thing and that good
2: PR comes away
0: and, and runs. And good PR. When will PR be... Um human. When will the when will that be handed over to AI? Is that already gone to AI? Long ago. It's <laughs> <laughs> of
1: the most artificial people I know working PR. This is all funny because it's what we thought the
2: future was going to be. We thought, well, first of all, the Industrial Revolution happened and everyone, the working class, got their jobs taken by robots, and now they're coming from the middle class jobs. And in both instances, that sounds more exciting than it is. That's just quite mundane and depressing. And then instead of all the robots doing our jobs and us being able to just like leisurely sit around and make art and things um we they we just all get fired and don't have any money but then also there's this idea that like why would we create stuff when ai can do it because because those people only see the product none of this is funny by the way (laughs) because those people only see the product they don't see the 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 process of creating art as part of why it's good because they're not artistic people so they can't picture why you'd want to do any of that for
1: fun. They're also not artistic people because they can't distinguish between what's produced by an artificial intelligence and what's produced mm. by people. And what's produced by an artificial intelligence is a mean or average of the stuff that it is aggregated. Um, you know, a slightly complicated version of a mean or average, but the vast majority of things that people make are shit. So any mean or average is going to be boring shit, Like, and then also the speed at which AI generates stuff means that the boring shit is very soon going to outpace the good and bad shit that fed it. And it will just be boring shit replicating boring shit until uh, it drowns in its own sameness.
0: Oh, wouldn't it be exciting if it all just ends with like one face, that this all comes, there's one figure that is made out of this thing and all, all the art that's churned out just turns into this like, to this face and we start and then the face speaks and gives us the mundane answer to everything
1: it tells us how that groundhog died tells us how the groundhog
0: died and suggests we get half a glass of water
1: (laughs) (laughs) this is the end of the show, I'm flipping through the ads at the back Eleanor, what have you got to plug? I am
2: doing the Leicester Comedy Festival at the end of the month, and I have to take four trains to get there, so I'd really appreciate if people of Leicester showed up, that'd be really nice, and we'll have a great time, and then also I'm doing some various other dates around the UK throughout the next few months, so it's all on my Twitter, and if
1: you are living in various towns in England, not Scotland, then please come to those shows. Excellent. John Luke, what have you got to plug?
0: Thank you for calling me Excellent John Luke. I am going to plug. um, I'm taking my solo show, A World Just Like Our Own But, on tour around the world, which I mean in two specific uh, locations. I'm doing it at Leicester this weekend on the 12th, and then Soho Theatre 13th through 15th of February And then I am going to Australia to perform at the Adelaide Fringe and the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, and also doing my show Cabaret Imperdimenta. So why not come to those shows?
1: Uh, Do come to those shows. I feel feel very jealous of you uh, bringing a, a, a polished and honed show to the Adelaide Fringe Festival. I will be bringing a brand new show to the Adelaide Fringe Festival from the 28th of February to the 4th of March. It's called Twist. Also, find me online at patreon.com slash alicefraser. That's one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, which you can get there for free, my podcasts, my blogs, my um, weekly Tea with Alice salons, and my writers' meetings, uh, if you want to come write with me, patreon.com slash alicefraser. Thank you to our roving reporters, Rob Marr and Boz Aster, who sent in the Friendzone story, Lips, who sent in the Less Clumpy Universe story, and James VT, who sent in the Groundhog story. If you would like to be a roving reporter, tweet us at HelloGarglers on Twitter while it lasts. Uh, This is a Bugle podcast, and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. I'll talk to you again next week.
0: You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, Catharsis, Tiny Revolutions, Top Stories and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.
2: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card.